Okay, yep. we're live on Facebook. Excellent. So now we can talk about our backgrounds while we wait for people to come up. Jacqueline, those are your actual drapes. Actual drapes. Just got new ones. Excellent. They are blackout curtains. I'm liking them. The other They're ones are here. Beautiful cobalt color. Yeah. Blue is my color. We all know this. So, friends, we are live on Facebook. Make sure you share it to your wall. I'm going to wait for some more people to join us. I'm going to mute for a second as I share. Rabbi Zoe, I like your new nook space. Looks like you're in like a little... Thank you. I'm in the kitchen nook. Very, very cool. Oh, I know exactly where you are now having been in your kitchen before. Excellent. And Tiffany is in Royce Hall. She is. But she'll explain it. She will explain it. For sure. And Rabbi Dara, I'm very much liking that new plant. Or maybe it's not a new plant. Uh, It is not. Succulents live forever, as far as I can tell. But it, but this succulent's home had been in the kitchen for quite some time. <laughs> I have just added some plant life to this back office. I like it. So as we're letting some people come into our conversation, we want to start off with Kianu Amecha, one of our favorite Pew team from the High Holidays. We are your people. We are your people, God. We're here. Kianu Amecha, Eloheinu, Anu Banecha, Veata Vinu, Anu Avadecha, Veata Dodenu. Anu kehalecha veyata chelkeinu. Anu nachotecha veyata goraleinu. Anu tzonecha veyata roeinu. Anu chamecha veyata notreinu. Anu futecha Let's all do it on Yalai. Welcome everybody to Facebook Live. I can see that there are already 35 people in on our conversation. So just a few important announcements as we're beginning here. 
please let us know that you're here. This is supposed to be an interactive program this evening. So as we're talking, as we're sharing thoughts, share your thoughts as well. Comment, engage with us, and we will be sure to uh, give you a special shout out this evening. And if you want to, you can also share this on your own Facebook wall so more people can join in on our High Holiday Conversation. Thanks, Kitcher Koyo. So again, uh, we assume most of the people that are tuning in are members of Temple Isaiah. But just in case uh, you haven't read the names on our Zoom, I'm Rabbi Dara Frimmer, and I'm here tonight with Cantor Tiffany Koyo, Rabbi Jacqueline Cohen, and Rabbi Zoe Klein-Miles, uh, the clergy team of Temple Isaiah in Los Angeles, California. And our goal tonight is to have a conversation amongst ourselves and also with you about uh, approaching the High Holy Days and what it's going to look like for the community of Temple Isaiah this coming year. But in order to get into that, I just wanna place us once again in, uh, in the space and in the time and in the day that we are in. I'm pretty sure it's Thursday, if everyone agrees. Thursday, yes, sounds about yes, right. Yes, it's Thursday. And I think we're in week 14, if I've been counting. We're reaching the end of week 14 since Temple Isaiah officially closed uh, in light of the Safer at Home Ordinance and our own decision to be um, uh, with an abundance of caution, a phrase we actually haven't seen that often in, in the last 12 weeks, but that was uh, what we talked about 14 weeks ago uh, in order to um, make sure that we kept people healthy and safe and did our part as citizens of Los Angeles, California, and this nation and world. Um, I just want to reflect for a moment, and maybe we'll start with um, Rabbi Jacqueline. Um, for all of us, like, we have been doing so much for the last 14 weeks to ensure that even though we are apart, we still feel we are together. So can you just reflect for a moment on a, a moment of connection or of community that really stands out for you as a clergy member of Temple Isaiah? I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is just when the four of us split up into uh, two teams and we went around West LA visiting our confirmation students about, I don't know, two, three hours before the actual ceremony, which took place on Zoom. Okay. So we were wearing masks and some of us were in gloves and we showed up and all distanced, all safe, um, congratulated and blessed these amazing, remarkable teenagers. There was something so meaningful and special about it. And it's something we never would have done if uh, COVID hadn't happened. We, I don't think we ever would have thought of doing something like that. So I look up, I look back on that moment and I'm just filled with awe and joy, um, and I loved it. That was a major moment for me. Agreed. You had a good you had a good sign also. I had a great sign. We held up good signs. I can't believe I recycled it. Like I could I could use that sign again. That's true. That's true. Tiffany may still have amazing. Tiffany still has her sign. Nice. <laughs> um, so uh, the partner in crime for Rabbi Jacqueline Cohen that day was Rabbi Zoe Klein Miles, who remembers yes. the sign. So Zoe, for you, um, just pick out one of I'm sure thousands of moments in the last. Oh my gosh! Okay. Um, what, what do you remember? You know, every day there have been these unique connections, and uh, so I'm just going to look at today. I'm going to look at the most recent. <laughs> was actually delivering the Torah. I've been we've been delivering Torahs and. Care, you know, I've been a Torah carriage, bringing Torahs from home to home for B'nai Mitzvah. And so today I delivered the Torah to a family's home and the Bar Mitzvah student and I looked at the, with social distancing, looked at the Torah. I had it, I opened the, the back of my car and the Torah, you know, it's all clean in the back. I opened the Torah, you know, inside the hatchback of the car, opened it up to his Torah portion. And he, uh, you know, with the disinfected yod, 
read from the Torah there on the street, his first time reading from the actual scroll out of the trunk of my car. And it was just with the bird song and cars and there was something so incredible all these years we've talked about in as clergy, how do we bridge the synagogue with the home? How do we connect, you know, how do we make partners with parents and with clergy and educators and just bridge it all together? And it's happening in this crazy, unique way. It's really remarkable. Amazing. And it really is about bringing Torah to the people. Um, in a time where it feels like everything is locked down, it's amazing that this enduring document um, and sacred totem of our people is the connector still. Um, really, it travels 5,000 plus years and will continue to. Um, I'll add quickly, um, similar to the idea of, I think from the walls of our building for years, we've talked about how do we get people to connect what we do in the temple with what they do at home. And because of the demand now of being at home, less so obviously as LA is opening, for the first 12 weeks, let's say, of quarantine, more people celebrated Shabbat with us than we have ever celebrated Shabbat with us before because no one was going out on a Friday night and any inkling of compass, maybe Judaism will be a compass or, or nostalgia for summer camp. Maybe I'll hear those melodies that I once heard. Hundreds of people celebrating Shabbat with Temple Isaiah thanks to Facebook Live and our website and simply the circumstances. And I, I could not have been sort of more happy in this moment of constriction, realizing that our people um, reached for tradition um, and found one another and found something incredibly real and dynamic. And so I'm still really holding on to that level of connection and community in spite of this pandemic. Um, Kendra Coyo, for you, connection and community, one moment. Yeah, so my first Friday night leading Shabbat services from my garage, uh, Hala arrived minutes before the Shabbat service from Suzanne Asherson. And it just was this moment of feeling like, okay, I didn't have time to get everything together because I was planning for the service and setting up my equipment on an ironing board, which I've come a far way since then. It was a <laughs> and Ahala arrived. What? It was a great setup. The ironing board and the several layers of books and like the microphone stand and everything was. Yeah. And my husband got that picture uh, in action and this fresh hala. And um, I just felt like the love of the community. Um, and I've really felt that every time we've done anything on Facebook Live, like the people are with us, the commenting and the shout outs and the support. It's been quite amazing. That's great. So, you know, in some ways, um, when I feel adrift in this very altered world, um, I try to remember what is also true in addition to the uncertainty and the anxiety. What is also true is that over the last 14 weeks, we have created real moments of connection and this community knows how to turn out for one another and show up for one another and support one another. And that is why I am absolutely certain, as I know we all are, that as we move into something that feels unparalleled, which is the high holy days, and we imagine, but how will that be possible? I want to invite everyone to trust what we already know to be true about being in this hybrid world of quarantine and opening back up and potentially closing back down and opening back up. Temple Isaiah at its core is about community and about connection. And we have found ways, as our ancestors have always done, to make it through even the most uncertain wildernesses. So this is what we want to begin to talk about now. 
Um, and again, I hope you're using the chat boxes. Tiffany is going to be looking over them throughout this conversation. But the hardest thing that we have to say, um, and for some it may not come as a surprise, and for others this may be a very painful thing to hear, is that we are not going to be able to gather at Royce Hall on this High Holy Day. This has been a tradition for many years now that Temple Isaiah has made pilgrimage to the UCLA campus, gathered in the scene that is behind Tiffany's Square, Royce Hall Theater, uh, and with all of the emotions and all of the anticipation, all of the memories that flood into that moment, we will not be able to gather in that space for the reasons of public health and safety. Uh, and so as a result, the first thing we need to tell you is that we are heartbroken that we are not able to offer this gathering space and this particular moment of convening this year. And what we know about connection and what we know about community is we are going to navigate our way forward. And we're gonna to talk tonight about the many pathways that we are currently exploring with your feedback and participation to ensure that the High Holy Day experience, the feelings, the transformation, the anticipation, and the community and the connection are still felt by every member of our community. We are going to be having virtual services on all of the days of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. There will be opportunities for you to gather at home or in your backyard, or if you feel comfortable, possibly at a social distance with friends, but we will be live streaming to you services on all of the appropriate days and within the general time zones. We're gonna talk a little bit about sort of the offerings within that. But before we get to that specific uh, plan, I wanna just pause again to ask Zoe or Jacqueline or Tiffany, whoever wants to go first, can you just share for a moment, what for you is at the core of your High Holy Day experience? Um, when you think about the grief and the loss or the heartbreak that you feel at this moment, what's that about? What is so magical, so majestic, so unique about this season um, that feels like a loss at this time of year? I'll try to I'll try to address. Uh, you know, thinking about that question, when I think about what High Holy Days means to me, um, it's funny. I I don't think about Royce Hall. It's my mind at this time. I guess because we're spending so much time at home and being so reflective. Um, my mind skips all the way back to being a child. And I think about high holy days and I think about um, the time of year and the smell of autumn in Connecticut and the leaves turning and the metaphor of, you know, the leaves are turning and so I'm gonna also turn over a new leaf. I think about being really young and being in the car with my father, tearing apart the sermon as we drove home from the high holy days um, and the smell of perfume. I remember being in this, in this sanctuary and, just everyone's wearing perfume, everyone's sort of decked out. Um, and so I guess in summary, or my dad wearing my grandfather's, who my grandfather passed away wearing his tie each year. And so mm -hmm. I think in summary right now, when I think about High Holy Days, I think about memory. And so it's really, it's, it's memory and it's deep, deep memory, you know, cellular memory. Yeah. And um, that, that carries no matter where we are. So um, it, it's, that's interesting. That's where I am. Yeah. And I'll just add just from the very like immediate present, because I do not remember the Torah parade, otherwise known as the Hakafa from when I was a child. I have other memories of childhood, but the, the Torah parade, the Hakafa in Royce Hall and before that Century Plaza, 
is so epic. I mean, I don't know how everyone, true. every time I went down an aisle, that was the aisle that everyone I needed to see was in. It like worked out every time. And so the Toro was being kissed. I was being kissed. I was kissing other people. Like uh, people I only see once a year, they were always in the right aisle and we switched aisles every year. I don't know how it worked out because we know nobody changes their seat in Royce Hall. But <laughs> that for me, when I think about the moment at the service, that I, I know can't be replicated in that way, that's my heartbreak. That's what I'm going to miss uh, of, of the physicality and the joy and the, the music that the, the ritual department puts out, which is like 12 minutes at least of nonstop hand clapping, dancing, exuberance. And thousands of hands coming oh. out to touch the Torah. And, right. and so like, I'm, I'm not letting go of that because this is, this is for this year. It is not necessarily for next year. I am holding out hope that this is a one year temporary adaptation that we're doing, but that Hakafa is so meaningful for me. Um, Tiffany or Jacqueline, what do you love or what does the new year symbolize or mean for you? Yeah. So I'm going to go with returning home the sense of coming back to a place that's familiar, a place that's sacred. And as we were planning for this conversation, um, we were talking about the fact that we deserve, I mean, I was expressing that I really feel like each and every single one of us deserves to have a new year this year. And, you know, I think back to January 1st to the secular new year and how we all had like these high hopes for 2020. So I feel like 57 this year is like, the real new year, the real new year, uh, and that we get to, we get to approach it with curiosity, um, with awe, with spirituality, with depth, and with truth. Not so naive for this new year as we were for the other one, um, and we've learned a lot and we've grown a lot. So for me, it's really like coming home. And I, I'll add that the musical piece of all of this is, I mean, as a cantor, is ex it's really extremely full. And I see some of our Hashirim me members uh, writing in the comments. There are certain musical moments um, that are so powerful. And Rabbi Darrow was saying earlier when we were planning for this, that during Kol Nidre in Royce Hall, when the cello is playing, you can't hear a pin drop. It's it's just the cello and it it stirs open like a piece of your heart your soul takes flight it's incredible moment uh, so those types of moments we're going to really have to think creatively how to create music um, in this new way to evoke those kind of feelings or different and new feelings yeah absolutely uh Jacqueline what about for you I mean, for me, it's all about togetherness, like everything that you've all said, and also being with the people I love, being with my family, being with my community. Um, and I, I know we were doing some reflecting before this conversation on how in March, in late March, early April, we were all so worried about Passover. Passover, Pesach is going to be so weird. We're not going to be able to gather with people. It's not safe. And we were just start, sort of at the beginning of all of this. And then Passover turned out to be like so rich and different and beautiful and meaningful. Mm -hmm. And yeah. even though at the time we couldn't physically be with whoever we would have been celebrating Passover with, we could be with them virtually. And even though it was different, it was still really beautiful. So 
as sad as like the loss of like being with so many people, being around so many people right now, honestly, like terrifies me. So, you know, I'm holding that like that sense of safety in mind. But that is a loss for me. And what lifts me out of my sense of grief a little bit is that knowledge that we will still be able to gather, but in a different way. And it won't be it won't be that way forever. Yeah. And if you're watching right now, I know there's 53 people watching right now, at least um, just on Facebook alone. So what what is it that the high holidays mean to you? Please write it in the comments. Um, Judy Rice talks about finding her own peace she wrote in so what is it we want to know from you too because this will help us in our planning right and really the the facebook live conversation was important for us because um one we've been sending out a lot of emails and so just to disrupt the amount of email that you're getting we wanted to also have a real conversation since we can't all be together in the sanctuary in the social hall or even in the temple isaiah lobby where you could just stop us and be like hey what are you thinking about these days this is what we're thinking about um and we're going to reproduce this so it'll be available for people after the fact as well but the second is um we do want to know how you're reacting we've been running uh we started it last week we ran a bunch of salons on zoom uh small group conversations where we ask questions just like the cantor just said um what does high holidays mean for you um what does it evoke for you after the day after yom kippur what do you hope you can say you felt or happened to you or you experienced as a result of the services because Part of what we are now in process of doing and actually have been doing for months is trying to imagine how you translate an ancient tradition that has learned new forms pre-COVID, which was already an adaptation, and now needs to learn a new form, a new container, a new way of transmission uh, in light of uh, this pandemic. And so whether it's about searching for home and recognizing home, the music, deep memories that, that need a place to rest, um, the Torah parade, the togetherness. We are looking for ways, uh, mostly from the minute we wake up until the minute we fall asleep, and sometimes in our REM cycles, I'm sure, uh, how to do this in a way that is um, meaningful and memorable and majestic, um, a way that will, as, as, the, as Tiffany said, we need this new year more than ever. Um, we need renewal. We need a sense of feeling like the new year will be different and we will be different within it. And so we are inviting you into this conversation tonight and over the next few months as we approach the high holidays to both help shape this experience and also to participate in it. So really quickly, um, Zoe, Jacqueline, or Tiffany, one of you can go first. Um, what is something you remember from one of these small group conversations that really leaps out? Again, answers of what are people looking for? What do they want to make sure they don't miss? Jacqueline, please. I almost raised my virtual hand. <laughs> I mean, the conversations have been so rich and so beautiful. I know that often, you know, we, in this strange, safer at home, reopening zone that we find ourselves in, it can sometimes be difficult to keep an eye on why each one of us went into the field that we did, why we chose to become clergy. And then there are these moments like the bar mitzvahs that we've just started officiating on Zoom, which I'll hopefully let um, Rabbi Zoe talk about or somebody else talk about. But there are these moments when you're reminded of how incredibly dynamic and beautiful and sacred this all is. 
And that happened for me in one of my uh, conversations about, I think it was last Thursday, with a group of people who were just so creative and dynamic in the way that they were thinking about how they themselves experience High Holidays with Temple Isaiah. And the things that they had to say were inspiring to me. Um, and one of the key things that was actually um, Beth Goss, whose daughter became a bat mitzvah last year, uh, mentioned how her favorite part of the holidays is the hakafa, is seeing people during the Torah processional that she hasn't seen in forever. And the way she spoke about it, all of us were like, oh, yeah, we're going to miss that, man. So um, it's just been really beautiful to hear what tradition and Judaism and ritual mean to people in this time of COVID and also non-COVID times. Yeah. So that's been really powerful. So just to give people a window into what being a member of Isaiah's clergy is like, if we were in a meeting, which we have many of a week, like Jacqueline would say that. And then I would jump in and be like, you know what we should do? We should pick like a street that doesn't have a lot of traffic, like my street, Greenfield Avenue. And we should tell people that at 2 p.m., on Rosh Hashanah, after you've had lunch, we're going to do a hakafa, and I'm going to walk the Torah from Expo to Brookhaven, and everyone can line up on both sides of the street, six feet apart, and wave to one another. Amazing. <laughs> a modern-day hakafa, because part of, again, what Judaism has always demanded of us is redefining in every generation how to take the core values and practices and make sure that they are applicable to the people, um, as a lifeline, like you simply cannot say, well, I don't know how we're going to do a hakafa, so I guess we're not going to do one. What are we going to do with the process and the feelings? How do we reinvent? So, um, Zoe or Tiffany, just a quick memory of something somebody said in one of these breakout groups that just represents Tiffany. Go ahead. Yeah. So we were talking in one of our groups about how we've encouraged people over the years to build a sukkah. So what if this year we encourage everyone to build a sukkah during the month of Elul, the month before Rosh Hashanah, and everyone take this time to create their own sanctuary, and we can give them instructions, and then they'll have their sukkah up for the entire high holiday season, like two and a half months, and they can watch our live streamed services from their sukkah um, and have that as their sanctuary, their, their safe place this year. And I also want to say that I saw a comment from Laura. Um, Laura Laser wrote in that dinners have been very important to her. And a lot of people talked in our groups about dinners and eating. So what if we gather together over Zoom and have some cooking classes? And then we know that we're all cooking some of the same dishes. And of course, there'll be gluten-free, vegetarian, vegan, et cetera, <laughs> options so that we can all uh, create and cook and eat together because one of our most successful programs has been tomorrow's challah baking on Fridays, which I'm going to be at tomorrow on Friday. Join me. Let's make challah together. That is true. That is true. Uh, Zoe, a quick taste of something that you heard. Sure. The main thing that came up in the conversations that I, I facilitated uh, was seeing each other, was just uh, loving seeing each other. And so just to pick up on what Cantor was talking about with food, there is, is already a tradition in the Sephardic world to have a Rosh Hashanah Seder that era of Rosh Hashanah, you have a special set of different types of food. Each food represents a different blessing that we wanna bestow upon our loved ones and the world in the upcoming year. And so we talked a little bit about 
era of Rosh Hashanah having a, um, inviting everyone to participate in a Seder, a Rosh Hashanah Seder and giving people the supplies and all, all the information that they need. I just want to add really quickly with the seeing each other, you know, if you look at Royce Hall behind Cantor Coyo, uh, one of my experiences of Royce Hall is that there are no windows. And so um, oftentimes as clergy, we never, we don't go outside. You know, we're, we get there really early to set up and then we're there really late. And um, last year for the first time in the middle of Yom Kippur, I actually stepped outside and I saw all these people bathed in sunlight, talking, seeing each other. And I was like, oh, this is the whole other part of High Holy Days. Yeah. So, you know, there's a fountain outside that people gather around. I know yeah. it was like right. a thing. your kids play. <laughs> there's sculpture gardens. There's like all this whole other thing happening that we don't participate in. But the reason why I bring it up is because in many ways this year is the high holy days of windows. You know, like right now, I have windows on right now. We are each we each have a window into each other's homes. And, and you know, so whether it's outside in the sukkah or cooking together, um, learning pods, we are seeing each other in this really exciting way. So I think of moving from Royce Hall with no windows to just an abundance of portals of connection. I love that. Um, I've also loved seeing the dogs and cats of people's lives across the street. You know, our cats really like our services. (laughs) We've heard a lot. We've seen a lot of good pictures. Um, so I, so I, I think we paused for a moment just to let you know both about the process, which is important and, and continues that if you either on Facebook are like brainstorming now and you're thinking, you know, what would be great. I remember Stuart Golders wrote me months ago. Now it feels like probably only two months ago. And he's like, here's an idea. How do we do a high holy day appeal, right? Yom Kippur is when we ask everyone to make a high holy day pledge. Ah, there's no Royce Hall. There's no like envelopes. He's like, here's the thing. We could get people envelopes and then I'll bring a shofar and we'll blow shofar and pick up envelopes. I mean, it was an amazing like mush of all of the pieces plus Stuart's heart opening and saying, I have always been someone that greeted people at High Holy Days. I am someone who helps collect with a basket. What will I do this year to contribute to the High Holy Day experience? So Stuart, thank you. Uh, And to anyone else who now is putting into the Facebook feed or into any of our email inboxes, I would love to imagine this with you. The season is open. Uh, And so let's talk a little bit about just some of the framings of how you can imagine categories, if you will. So as I said before, there will be live stream services. We hope from our synagogue, from the, the Sanctuary of Temple Isaiah, most likely with clergy only. And I wanna talk about that for a minute. Um, while it is possible that we could rotate groups in with distance and so forth, the thing that keeps coming up again and again is about exclusion. Um, It is clear that some people will still need to make choices to stay safer at home, either for their own health or the health of someone they love. The High Holy Days for our team feels like a time where we don't want people to feel excluded, as if to say, only if you are healthy, or feel strong enough, or feel like you will take a risk, then you can have a seat in the sanctuary and we can rotate you through for some live experience indoors. So most likely what you can imagine is the four of us from safe distances, finding a way to bring you live stream services on the days and the times that you would expect 
And again, we're working out the length. So one of the things we're very interested in, for example, is how long would you like services to be? We've never had to ask this question before. You show up, we give you a service. But in truth, we are curious. <laughs> what length of service would you imagine wanting to watch on Zoom or live stream? And what are the components for you that are most important to hear, period? And know that we're thinking about both pre-recording material, both music and sermons, as well as doing things in real time with the possibility of interactive conversations over Zoom as a result of doing it also through the Zoom platform. So I'll pause for one second. Uh, does anyone from my team want to add anything about just live streaming services on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur? You'll be able to watch them at home or in your backyard with or without your family and friends, however you choose to be most comfortable. Well, let's let's just have people write in right now. That's really interesting. How long would you like the service to be? <laughs> we're not curious. We're going to do every, obviously, like if somebody says 20 minutes and someone says two hours, that's going to be a problem. But we we have this conversation. And I'll tell you what the components of the conversation are. Um, there are people who feel as they should, as if once the service is on, the comfort of their own home allows them to listen for as long as they want to while doing other things. They can get up and get a drink. They can sit back down again. They can have a conversation with the person next to them. It's not offensive to us. We have no idea you're doing that. But it creates an environment in your home of the high holy days that could be expansive. Um, for others, we've heard, um, you know what? It's 20 minutes is good. Give me the high holy day hits and I'll, I'll go with videos on demand when my life is less chaotic or when the timing works but, for me. Wait, Dara, but we yes. can't even do this conversation in 20 minutes. So how are we going to do a whole service in 20 minutes? It's an excellent point. So as people are putting in their, their responses, I want to give you the, the next piece. So that, so what we're trying to do is make sure that services are produced in a way that whatever age or stage you're in, you will find a meaningful way on Rosh Hashanah and on Yom Kippur to engage. Adults, families, teenagers, we're very open and we're still creating those programs and platforms in partnership with you and with the many senior staff and um, uh, staff just in general at Temple Isaiah. Um, and the second, and this is really important, I'm going to ask Cantor Cuello to talk about this, is the, is the value and, um, and the coming home to that which is familiar. One of the things that is really important to our team this year um, are finding the familiar themes, messages, and music high holidays. So this year, we will... Um, we will debut one new song. I can promise you that. And I won't give you, I won't, I'm not going to give you too, well, maybe a little bit. Um, our, one of our congregants, <laughs> Gabe Rutman, who wrote an Ahavat Olam that he sung for the past three years at high holiday services. That is one of the most meaningful moments for our community. We asked him to write a new song this year that will be a song that's sung during the entire month of Elul. And for those of you who don't know, the month of Elul is the month before the high holidays. And it's a month of soul searching and preparation. And so this year, the high holidays isn't just about Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur in those two days. It's about the entire season and how we can engage with one another throughout the entire season. So we're going to be premiering that song at the start of Elul and that song will become very familiar as we get all the way to Sukkot and Simchat Torah. 
Uh, so we want you to feel like our music is a warm blanket that you are wrapped in that feels comfortable and cozy. So you will hear Kol Nidre and Avinu Malkenu and Olam Chesed Yibane and a lot of the music that we've been singing from year to year at Temple Isaiah. And you'll be seeing our faces. We'll be there. We'll be yeah. there with you every step of the way. We promise. Yes. And um, and Tiffany, is it true that if people wanted to already start listening to your High Holy Day CD now, they could just go onto the website, find the music section, and begin listening if they already were yearning for Shema Kolenu and Oseh Shalom and it's all there. Good. We have a whole media section on our website uh, shout out to Tara Berger who created it. It has videos from past high holidays and it has our audio recordings. So listen to the music now. Let it be comforting to you as you start the season. And the other really important thing that I wanted to mention is before we go to the uh, my other colleagues here is that while we will be having these services live streaming at the times that you can expect, there will be a choose your own adventure component to the high holidays. And that choose your own adventure you know, if you miss the sermon live, which our rabbis are going to give sermons live, we're going to all be talking about really engaging um, topics that you need to hear about right now. Don't worry, we have that covered. But if you miss it live, we will have those sermons and those talks available for you on demand afterwards. And there'll be um, everything will be available on our website in a really beautiful way so that you can go to it anytime and take in high holidays. So that's, I mean, that'll be the technology piece of it. Um, on the other side that we're exploring, as long as it's safe, is how do we gather? Uh, so I've already, I saw that Jessica Dabney wrote that she would love to get into a social distancing group in someone's backyard and put the services on a screen. But if you know of a racing track or a large parking lot or a drive-in movie or theater, a a farm, a park, a stadium, Ben Allen. Yeah, we're very serious about this. This is not a joke. We want you to help connect us so that we can bring people somewhere that's safe. That's safe really, for us to gather I'm outside. I'm really hoping somebody has a farm or a connection to a farm. Um, I love the idea of having some sort of prayerful moments together and then splitting up and entering rows of harvest and picking pumpkins and just uh i think that would be really beautiful so anyone with a farm <laughs> and this is again this is the compliment as tiffany was saying so that the, the the days themselves you can count on these services that will exist but starting from mid-august when the month of elul begins all the way through simchat torah that is considered the high holy days season and so we want to populate that with opportunities for you as a congregant at whatever age and stage you are in, along with your loved ones and friendship groups, to find a meaningful pathway or pathways towards this ancient ritual of renewal, towards the idea of teshuvah, of forgiveness, and of starting over again, of spiritual transformation. And whether it is joining us on a farm Again, won't be for everyone, but it can be for some. Uh, doing small journey groups online. Uh, Zoe, you have some ideas. How else can people engage? Well, also there's you know something we've never been able to do with High Holy Days is to join with other communities, um, you know, and non-Jewish communities too to really to share. So we were thinking, um, and we've already been in conversation with our friends at First AME Church about potentially having a healing 
joint healing service between our two communities over the high holy day season. We've been in conversation with the Pacifica Institute um, to talk about having a, uh, also having services together. So those interfaith moments can be really powerful as well. Definitely. And um, it looks like uh, Rabbi Zach Shapiro, who's hey. our uh, neighbor from Temple Akiba, he's a rabbi there. He said, let's join forces with other synagogues. So thanks for watching, Zach. <laughs> On board. Jacqueline, go ahead. Another thing I wanted to mention that I know is so important for all of us and has been like a core part of my like lifelong high holiday experience is singing together, right? It's not just about listening to a performance. It's about singing as a community. Um, and I want to give a shout out to Cantor Coyo, who for the last three months has been doing an incredible amount of research into the best ways to allow people to sing together. It is not easy to do that with technology, but there are ways for us to raise our voices together. Um, and so that's also a component. So there's something to that where um, we are all learning as we go. Technology is not perfect, but it does allow us for pathways into that communal singing experience that we're really, really excited about. And we have um, some really good things on the horizon, even just for summer before we even get to high holidays. So keep an eye out. Definitely. Now, Tiffany's keeping an eye on the Facebook chat, which we will obviously preserve and be able to look through later. Um, so these comments are not the end of the conversation. Again, we really welcome your feedback and your creative ideas. Um, and again, the model really bridges, if you would say, like two possibilities. One is virtual, um, the idea of over the internet, you can receive certain opportunities to talk, discuss, study, pray, explore, reflect. And the other is in person. And I want to mention that there's going to be a survey that Rabbi Jacqueline helped put together on behalf of the clergy team that's going to start populating in the Monday and Friday emails. And it's going to invite you to consider if you feel comfortable. Do you have backyard or front yard space? Or maybe you own a farm. Again, we would love to know. Um, would you feel comfortable letting the temple use that for small gatherings? Because what we are looking towards, while it remains safe, again, enough caveats about, we you know, we're trying to be, you know, I'll assume you'll give us credit for being safe. Can we gather three families? Can we gather a minion, 10 people? And can they be socially distanced outdoors? And can we have a tourist study? Can we do um, Tashlich together in somebody's kiddie pool? Can we talk about apples and honey and renewal and sweetness in person? This is what we're trying to explore. And if you have a resource like a yard that you are willing to share with us, we would love to know more about that. So that link, that Google survey is gonna be sent out as well as we continue to create a hybrid approach, not just for high holidays, but really over the course of this year. Um, uh, it is most likely, again, going to be needed that people will not feel comfortable coming out fully uh, until a vaccine is available. And we wanna be responsive to those members of our community. So know that as your clergy, we will be available online and in person, uh, and we will be here for you. Um, Tiffany, any last comments that you wanna mention before we begin to wrap this up from the Facebook feed? Yeah, just that a lot of our amazing musical groups, um, Hasharim, we have a very large adult choir. Uh, we have two or three years of footage from Royce Hall of them singing together, of some of the classics and the hits that are really meaningful. So we will make sure to look through that material and have that as part of our services. Also our pop-up choir and 
our newer groups like the Emas and Abbas, we're working on some collaborations uh, online and through technology so that we can bring their beautiful voices to our services. Great. Gloria Jacqueline, any concluding thoughts before I wrap us up? I mean, I just wanted to share, you know, Cantor Coyo and I have been talking about High Holidays like nonstop for feels like months now. Mm -hmm. um, I think there's a real sense of excitement, even amidst the grief. Um, and as the person out of the four of us who has logged the least amount of hours in Royce Hall, because I, you know, in 2018, my first High Holidays at Royce Hall, I just remember that that sense of awe and majesty of being in that space and all of the... Um, different elements of the high holiday experience that went into it like it, it still feels like new and exciting and fresh and beautiful so there is that sense of loss and that sense of um wishing that things were different and with that is a sense of real excitement that what we are creating together is actually going to be pretty remarkable and that it is just um it no longer feels like it's weighed down by that sense of uh, frustration, resentment, sadness. It feels like it's, again, lifted up by the incredible opportunities and the participation of congregants in a new way um, where this is going to be an active experience. This is going to be as engaging as it can possibly get. Uh, and I'm, I'm excited for that. Amen. I'll just add quickly that it really is an opportunity for an ecstasy of education and empowerment. <laughs> you know, because, you know, Passover, most people don't come to the temple for a Passover Seder. They create Seders on their own. What does it mean to release High Holy Days into the hands of Jewish people, um, not just Jewish professionals? And what is what creativity comes out of that? It's really really exciting. There are elements of the High Holy Days that we could explore that we never touched on before. There's an ancient tradition of visiting cemeteries on Yom Kippur to connect with our history and actually specifically not visiting the graves of our own loved ones, but actually visiting the graves of strangers as, um, you know, to confront our own mortality. Um, there's all, all sorts of incredible things that we're going to be able to explore together and, um, it's really powerful. Yeah, and I don't want to put you on the spot, but um, Ann Weinman said that we should create a committee to find several outdoor venues to which congregants can sign up. So Ann Weinman, you are now head of that committee. <laughs> <laughs> Mazel tov. Yes, that's a great idea. That's great. And in truth, uh, we have heard from congregants already who have connections or have curiosity, so that's great. We really... The community has always been blessed, um, and that's just about the goodness and the righteousness that our community brings to one another. Um, and we also have these skills and talents that perhaps we never thought were useful. And then someone who's a scout for the industry uh, to find like locations that are appropriate for films sort of just like raised his hand and was like, I don't know, could I be helpful to find you a location? And we were like, yes. Yes, you can. Um, people who do um, who do production for sound and stage are suddenly the people we're very interested in talking to, as the four of us have never had to produce like this before. So, 
it turns out many of you who are listening or who will listen to this probably have talents and skills that you didn't realize would be absolutely essential during a pandemic to run a Jewish community. So in advance, thank you. Um, wait, and- wait, we got another person who just signed up, Emiliana. She's signing yeah. up. She said, I will help. Perfect. I mean, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So this is, so this is the place also where I just want to say that, um, Jews historically, um, have ever since synagogues existed, I'm not really sure why this happened, have connected membership to things like high holy day tickets. So I've worked for 13 years at Isaiah and inevitably what people realize is if they don't renew their membership, then they don't get their tickets. And it's not to say they don't love being a member. It's just that's the incentive. Rosh Hashanah is almost here. Quick, renew the membership. So in all seriousness, renewing your membership now has never been more important. Um, For the first time ever, we are stripping away all of the transactions that previously would have made a synagogue seem like That is why I joined, because I can buy that product, because I joined that school. And really what we're saying now in the midst of the most extreme conditions is, first and foremost, we are your community. This community is made up of people who have made a commitment and a covenant with one another to travel through the wilderness. And even if all we have is mana from heaven and one another, it will get us through. So what I'm asking you to do is consider Have you renewed your membership yet? Not because it's about high holy days or because it's about a school or because it's about a bar mitzvah, but simply because what you remember at this time of year is community is your sustaining force through times of uncertainty. And we want to continue to be your compass and your anchor and your guide. So please renew your membership, sustain Isaiah, Ultimately, make sure that we are here a year from now. When we go back to Royce Hall, you can look again behind Cantor Coyo. Find your seat. If you haven't already, I know you know where you sit. Find your seat and say, not this year, but Bashana Haba'a next year. I know I'm going back there and you're going to be with us and we are all going to be together again. So I want to thank Zoe and Jacqueline and Tiffany and all of you who have been joining in. Uh, This is an extraordinary team. We are an extraordinary community. Um, And from our homes to yours, we miss you. We love you. And we can't wait to see you again. Have a good night, everyone. Thank you, Rabbi Dara. Thank you, everyone. Bye.